Farewell, babies. Jesus, Ray, I think I have to beep that. I think I actually have to fucking Why? beep that. I don't Why? know. I don't know. You know what? I've been dealing with this like sinus, the phlegm, like is not left in my head. Just feels like it's about to explode. I can't hear myself been, talk. Is that why you've been silent lately on the text exchange? Uh, no, I've just been busy with your mother. Uh, so welcome to the, uh, this is the Civil Mind Sports Show. What do you say we get started here on the Civil Mind Sports Show where we do all things uh, New England sports? Walk yourself right into that one. Uh, uh-huh. Latest and the greatest in New England sports. We're into the playoffs here. We still got one team in the playoffs, so that's good. Uh, the rest of the city is is kind of trending down. We'll get to it, but let's do some opening takes, Ray. Uh, we have not discussed this yet. It always makes it fun when we do some wild card opening takes. I'll let you go first. No, no, no. Um, I always go first. Can you go first? <laughs> yeah, sure. I did a blog today on the uh, uh, simplemindsports.com. First time in a couple weeks because uh, I've been phlegmy. So it just, I guess, stops me from doing anything. If you're <laughs> according to Dr. Big Mac, the obvious one. Wait, hold on a second. So has been Bill been phlegmy for like two years then? Yeah, he's just a constant <laughs> phlegm. That was that's another question that we could have checked off with uh Mrs. Gate. Yeah. Didn't work, didn't work out. Uh my blog actually pertained to uh game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Heat, and one Jason Tatum uh titled You Can Take the Boy Out of Duke, dot dot dot, but you can't take the dookie out of the boy. Uh look, this is a trend that, that Jason Tatum has had since he started in the league. And what I mean by that is He's a little bit of a baby back bitch. He's been that way since he came into the league. He's been arguing with the ref since a since his rookie year, like he was LeBron, and uh, he's tempered that a little bit. And he's done a good job of getting better at it, I think. And I think his best attribute, when it pertains to that, is his um, his bounce back and his way to actually have a good game after being a little bitch. See Game Six in the uh, in the in the game Fuck against the Milwaukee, in the final in the series against Milwaukee. But that doesn't excuse you from getting punched in the mouth and then just cowering and not getting back on defense and putting your head down and, and deflecting blame on the court to body language. Just, oh, it's, it's so easily hateable in the moment that it frustrates the shit out of me. But I will say, I think he will eventually get out of it. And this is why, and we can get more into it, but. His post-game press conferences has gotten better. He's taking all the blame in his post-game. And then, like I said before, the next game, he always comes back and has a good game. I fully expect him to fucking blow doors in game two and adjust mm-hmm. his game and be ready to go. It's just annoying that he has to get shoved in a locker to become um, to become that aggressive and angry and, and bring his game to the next level. So that's my opening take. Jason Tatum needs to grow up. Just continue to grow up. Just continue to grow and get a little bit. He's only 24. I get it. But just mature, continue to mature. So you could have beat the Bucks in five, and you could have taken game one in Miami without two of your starters if Jason Tatum just didn't fucking put his head up his ass because Jimmy Butler was mean to him. Raymond, your opening take. I understand that because Bill does that to me all the time, and I just can't get out of that. But uh, my opening take would be – Yeah, but you're 37, and you you don't have a fucking chance to get it. 36. 36 for another month. Thank you. Oh, God. Uh, my opening take is the New England Patriots and how they used to be the smartest team in the league. And now what the fuck are they doing? After listening to Joe Judge and Matt Patricia uh, press conferences over the weekend about, you know, how no one's really going to be the offensive coordinator. You know, my Joe Judge is going to concentrate on Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, offensive line. These guys, and then they're going to do like a group uh, coaching uh, with the offense. These guys got fired from Detroit and New York Giants because they couldn't do with what they 
wanted to on the field. They were terrible at their jobs. Now we're going to let these guys decide on the fate of Mac Jones. I'm scared for our franchise quarterback. Uh, you, they're leading him into the, uh, not the promised land, but to the gates of hell because this is going to be a wild ride this season. And I am scared to death of what Matt Patricia and Joe Judge is about to do to this offense. Yeah, it's like Belichick is leading them all into la-la land as he approaches the twilight of his life in his 70s. I don't know if that's morbid or not, but um, sorry. <laughs> it just seems like he's fucking around down there. We'll see. Uh, we can get into more of that. Obviously, we'll be touching on the uh, Celtics. We're going to dive back into the Bucks series just a bit. We got Jack Simone of CLNS and um, uh, the Celtics blog to join us to talk some Celtics. Obviously, we'll do some uh, Eastern Conference Finals talk, little game one, and what to look forward to. This is airing on Friday. We record on Wednesday. Maybe we'll Wednesday. do something tomorrow. Maybe we can do something. Maybe, maybe we'll do something. Maybe we'll do something. Uh, we'll do a little Bruins. Their season has ended. Patrice Bergeron's future is up in the air. Uh, no butthole tattoo for me. Red Sox are still on. Xander Bogarts is the lead story of the Red Sox, and it's still not great. Uh, Patriots don't have an offensive coordinator, even if they pick one. And, uh, of course, Simplest Minds of the Week. Welcome to the Simple Minds Sports Show, Friday Rewind, May 20th. Welcome to the show. You sound like shit. your Jordan flu game? No, I don't feel that bad. You know, it just... You look and sound bad. That's all. Okay. Thanks. If you're looking to um, sound like shit, head on down to White Birch Brewing, the best craft brewing in New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire. Ray, address, please. 460 Amherst Street. Good side of Amherst Street. Head on down there, get yourself a flight, get yourself a pint, get yourself the Dr. Vittles Flight of Pints, and uh, drive responsibly, of course, called Uber Ray. Still looking for that check, you son of a bitch. Uh, if you can't get to the brewery, then get to your local beer store. Wherever you get it, tell me Simple Minds Boys sent you White Birch Brewing. All right, let's go ahead and uh, pull Jack in here, talk a little Celtics, a little Celtics talk to get the show rolling. Late on a Wednesday evening. Thanks for that. Welcome. Welcome. No problem. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited to talk. Oh, I'd be I'd be more excited to talk Celtics if they didn't crap the bed in the game. Yeah, <laughs> we've you know we've done a real good job of bringing you on like after happy beer time for the Celtics. <laughs> this is a sad beer time for once. This sad, is a sad, sad beer, beer time, and and to be honest, well, it's it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because Bill's not here, so it's always good to have a third voice on the show. So that was some motivation, but it's also fun when Bill's not here because he's such an asshole. So we can actually just like, you know, <laughs> and Jack can actually talk. Yeah. I can talk for once, you know, and get a word in, you know. Yeah, you, you don't have to worry about the mumblings uh, under the mic that you can't really hear, and just mm-hmm. have to fake laugh to like keep the show going. Uh, yeah. So welcome, uh, welcome on Sad Beer uh, Wednesday, Jack. After Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics. I'm gonna uh, describe it as blue. Uh, you had an eight-point lead at halftime, 14-point lead, and you just got absolutely destroyed. Before we get to that, do you mind if we uh, do some happy beer talking? Just go real quick, do a little uh, – we haven't got a chance to discuss game six or seven, but just the closeout games for the Celtics against the Bucks. Uh, obviously, you had the Tatum game, game six, in, walking into Milwaukee, dropping 46 on their asses. Kind of – I don't want to say nonchalantly, but his attitude and vibe – going into that game six 
has given me more confidence than in Jason Tatum than I've ever had before. He kind of basically shit all over that in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. But in game six to game seven, I was like, Jason Tatum has arrived. He's got me shaky now. But your your thoughts. And then <laughs> well, let's just I'll give you game seven, too. Obviously, the Grant Williams game, 27 points, 18. Great Curry. Great Curry. 18 three-pointers. The Bucks dared him to shoot. He did. He buried him 27 points, but it just looked like the Celtics will had finally caught up to the Bucks and Giannis and uh, they finish him out in the garden game seven. So your thoughts on uh, Celtics finishing off the champion Bucks? Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Obviously game six, they, they fought Tatum. And like, like you said, it was a casual 46. Like he just kind of did what he always does. And then in the fourth quarter turned it up to close him out, uh, which was huge. And then game seven, I, I went into game seven expecting, one of the best games of the series and then the Celtics just blew them out, blew them out of the water, not even close. And I mean, I, hopefully I'm on the record here saying it, but Grant Williams has always been my guy. I've defended him <laughs> furiously uh, throughout all the past few years. And uh, it, it was some nice validation. I'll put it that way to see him just dominate game seven. He took 18 threes, which is insane. Made seven of them uh, torched the bucks and Mike Budenholzer for the odd defensive choices they made of just, you know, basically just giving him open shots and Peyton Pritchard too. He played well. Uh, but yeah, Tatum was great. He did exactly what he needed to do. Even in game seven, he was good. It was obviously, you know, kind of a muted performance thanks to great Williams, but uh, he he was awesome in those two games. And like you said, it kind of came crashing back down to earth in game one when he turned the ball over six times in one quarter, which not great in his defense, not like that. That's very defendable. He played all right. Other than that one singular quarter. Uh, it just happened to be that that one quarter kind of decided the, the entire game, but uh, yeah, all in I, all, Tatum was good. And then Grant was good. Yeah. Look, well, I, that was my opening take that my Tatum was my whole opening take and just how good he can be. And then how disappointing he can be uh, if someone basically just bullies him and is a little bit tougher than him, but he he's learned how to come back from that. And I think game six was a real perfect example of game five. Look last year, certainly not two years ago where they lost in the bubble to the heat. Three years ago, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals where he was a rookie against LeBron. Those teams don't come back from that game five collapse where Marcus Smart is trying to be a hero or not see him wide open, chasing Tatum, streaking down the side to tie the game. Well, I heard a stat. I think this was on 98.5. In the final two and a half minutes or, or something or minute and a half, there were 39 dribbles taken. 38 of them were by Marcus Smart. <laughs> <laughs> that makes all the sense of the world so just keep that in your hopper um but yeah the the, J, the jason tatum thing in game seven I, he had a phenom- phenomenal offensive first half and then he did a great job of finding grant fucking williams because the <laughs> dude was shooting the lights out and he could have shot more if he wanted to but you know we've seen this part of his game evolve where he's become the uh you know, a, a terrific, not only a, a willing passer, but a really good passer too, um, in distributing the offense. So yeah. Um, really high grades for Jason Tatum in that, uh, in that, uh, <laughs> Milwaukee series, well, we can get to the bucks in, or the Miami just a sec. Ray, do you want to touch on that uh, Milwaukee series before we move on? Uh, it was great to see Giannis struggle in the game seven closeout game, being one of the best players in the world, you know, the defense of that, the Celtics gave smothered him. you know, just, Took it to him and it was great, you know, and I think he has a tremendous respect for Jason Tatum after that game and the Celtics organization. So it was great to see that on a closeout game too, you know, that brought our stock up a little bit more too. Hopefully this could be a destination for free agents alike to come over here and uh, play for the Boston Celtics. Do you think that's the case, Jack, or do you, 
does Giannis know in the back of his mind, if they had Chris Middleton, they probably take this thing and their supporting cast isn't what it was last year. And certainly they did not play up to what they needed to this year. Um, or do you think he, you know, he looks at him, I guess it's more of did, did the Bucks just not have enough to, to get over the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I, I think Giannis in the back of his head definitely is thinking of Chris Middleton. I also don't think he's the type of guy to make excuses. Like, that's just not the player Giannis is. Like, he he even said it after the game. He's like, we lost. If Chris was here, maybe things would have been, been different, but he wasn't here, so you can't change that. Um, And I think having Chris Middleton would have obviously made the series a whole lot tougher for the Celtics, even though it was already uh, really hard. That's not to say they couldn't have won it, because I think Ime Udoka showed that he's fully capable of making adjustments, and I think they probably could have, you know, stuck someone on Chris Middleton played even more one-on-one with Giannis because it started doubling again later in the series, but just left, you know, Grant or Horford on an Island. Uh, it would have been, again, like I said, a lot harder, but I think they still could have won the series, but um, Giannis was phenomenal. He just had to take on too much of a load uh, in the half court offense, obviously because Chris Middleton wasn't there, but uh, yeah. You think it was Middleton his legs? Out, a lot of people are blaming, like he got to that game seven and he was missing some bunnies at the rim. Do you think that, it's, it's hard for me to go, all right, the guy has been dropping 40 points a game and 20 <laughs> rebounds. Two nights ago, he got 44 and 20. And now you're telling me it's finally caught up and he's now he's missing bunnies because his legs are dead. Like after that, it, it's a little bit hard for me to, to kind of pin it all on. Well, the, the Celtics defense finally got to him. They finally wore him down. <laughs> it's like two nights ago, he should have been closing you out if Tatum didn't have a Tatum game. So... I just think he had a bad game and by his standards had a bad game. He still had, what do you have? 25 and 14 or something yeah. like he still had a great, you know, a night on game seven. He just missed some bunnies. Yeah. I think he was definitely gassed a little bit, but like you said, he still did what Giannis does, but you could see him missing a couple of those layups at the end of the game. He doesn't usually miss. And in general, I, I don't know the exact stat, but if you look at the most shots Giannis has ever taken in a playoff game, I think five of his top seven were in that series. So that's where you see the Middleton thing again. Like he's just not used to taking that much of a volume on offense. And he did a phenomenal job finding his open teammates. But I think when the Celtics really started to get their way on defense, wasn't necessarily when they keyed in on Giannis. It was when they slowed down everybody else, which forced him to take a bunch of shots. Uh, and, and you saw that in game seven as well because they didn't hit that many threes and that was a result of them forcing Giannis to do everything through Grant and Horford who by the way did just an amazing job guarding him one-on-one yeah absolutely you got to give it up for the Celtics they you know you take down a defending champ it's one of the hardest things to do and many people consider Giannis the best player in the world or top three at least so uh, well done by them Um, we're gonna do a 30 second uh, program break here and come back and talk not so great on the Celtics uh, in game one against the Heat And that's just so Ray can catch his breath. Game one uh, against the Miami Heat down in Miami. Uh, uh, What was the final score? 108 to 109 to 118, something like that? 107, 118? Yes. I think they lost by eight, whatever that math is. Uh, Jimmy Butler goes for 41, 9, and 5. Felt like all in the second half. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, Jack, just completely punked Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum came out and had 21, I think, in the first half. Celtics were rolling. They were running up and down the court. They just looked like the better team. Didn't look like Miami was going to be able to handle it. Third quarter comes around. You had three 
terrible turnovers in a row by Tatum six total in the uh, half. They went on a 22 to two run at one point, 39 to 14 total in the third quarter, just an absolute shellacking bully ball by Jimmy Butler in Miami. And look, the, the Celtics played an okay fourth quarter. It was a pretty even fourth quarter, but like they just their body language, they just got, they just got run over. And they got out muscled and, and out toughed. And they Miami did to the Celtics what they've done to every other team this entire year, which is why they're the number one seed in the East. And people are still asking why. You just saw it in the third quarter, is what is, is why. So you're you're opening your thoughts on game one there from the from the Heat. I've never understood the, the Heat hate. I have always thought they were going to be the toughest team to play in the playoffs. Even when the Bucs had Chris Middleton, like before the whole thing started, I was like, okay, I fear Miami more than any other team. And I think the Celtics are still fully capable of beating them. Obviously, it hurts to throw away this opportunity. Boston was the better team uh, in three of the four quarters, but they just threw it away in the third and Miami took advantage, which is what Miami does. They're, they're vicious, they're ruthless, and uh, they don't miss their chance to strike. And that's what Jimmy Butler did in the third quarter. Uh, like you said, he punked Jason Tatum. He was the best player on the court by a landslide in game one. He did everything he needed to do. Gabe Vincent was making ridiculous Steph Curry shots, which was extremely frustrating. Uh, but Jimmy Butler just carried the heat to that win and they earned it because the Celtics blew it uh, in the third quarter. And Ime said after the game, he's completely right. Jason Tatum had the turnovers. Jalen Brown was awful as well. I don't know. I I've, I wrote about this today. I don't know why he keeps dribbling into the traffic. He needs to work on his ball handling. And J I love Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but when they try to do too much, that's when you see them miss Marcus Smart because he's the one who takes the ball out of their hands. Whether or not people like it or not, he gets it out of their hands when they're trying to do too much, calms them down, brings it back. Same thing with Al Horford, both of whom are missing. Not that that's an excuse though, because you're up 14 in the first half and then you got blown up by 25 in a single quarter. So those two need to be better. They need to calm down and not freak out. But again, we saw this in the first uh, game of the Buck series. So what, what the hell do I know anymore? <laughs> Cause they brought yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a death sentence. In fact, I think it, uh, I mean, it, if you want to put some money down, I don't know what the line is in game two, but I'd go Celtics hard. I think they're, you know, yeah. if, if this playoffs has shown us anything, Jason Tatum's going to come have a big night. Jalen Brown's going to come out, you know, game two of the Milwaukee series. What he dropped 20 points in the first quarter or something, 18 points yeah. in the first quarter or something <laughs> like that. Like he was money. So this was part of my opening take check. Like it would just be nice. And I get they're still young. They're 24 and 25, but it would just be nice not to have to be punched in the gut to put you like in that mental state, the Mamba mentality, like just, you just went through seven games with Giannis. You, how do you take a step back from that? It, you now it's going to get harder boys. It's going to get harder. You got to come with an even more, uh, you know, uh, uh, killer mentality. And it just seems like they took their foot off. They get, they got punched in the mouth again. And then they were like, fuck, I, you know, I don't know how to do this. And then email, bring him in the room, show him some fucking tape, give him a, so, you know, a move to make when they put the defense on him and the double team and boom, you'll, you'll see him have a good game in game two. It's just a little bit annoying that you got to get that hit hard in the face to, to, to bring it, uh, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah. You, you would think they don't need any extra motivation considering they're in the Eastern conference finals, but uh, like you said, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jalen Brown comes out and drops 40 again or something ridiculous. Tatum has this triple-double. And I look up a stat earlier today, uh, and Tatum's shooting like 44% from three in wins and 22% in losses. So apparently he just needs to make his threes and the Celtics win the game. So 
Uh, hopefully his shots on again and Marcus Smart's probable. So hope hopefully play uh, and calm them down a little bit when that happens. So uh, like you said, I'd put money on the Celtics game too. I have a question for both of you real quick. Would you rather have Rob Williams start in place of Al Horford, even if he comes off the health and safety protocol, just because the heat are more athletic team and going against Bam out of bio. No, nope. I think you start both. I think you start, you, you, start, probably, both. you, start you go back both. to okay. the big man lineup. Uh, look, Rob had a great game, whatever he was, plus 18, I think. And, you know, in that first quarter was all over the place. He looked like Rob from the regular season. And, yeah, maybe it's his more of his type of, of series, Jack. You know, they don't have the big guys down low like Milwaukee. It's more of athletic, kind of up and down. But you, you, when the Celtics struggle, it's not defensively. It's offensively when the ball gets stagnant or the Jays try to do too much. And without Smart or, or Horford out there kind of – being the distributor or the offensive uh, linchpin, they can they can have third quarters like they had in game one and get outscored by 25. And I think that's yeah. your biggest weakness as a Celtics team. I agree. I think if I'm Ime, I go back as soon as Horford's available. We don't know what's happening with yeah. him. Game three, uh, I heard. Yeah, yeah it's Hopefully. a big secret right now. No one knows <laughs> when he's coming it. back. Yeah. Uh, I'd start them both, though. You stick Al Horford on Bam Adebayo. I mean, hell, he just spent seven games guarding Giannis effectively. Not not disrespecting Bam Adebayo, but if he can guard Giannis and hold him to yeah. probably his worst efficient series in a long time, I'm confident he can stick with Bam. Uh, and that leaves Rob to play the role in the corner. He's played well all season, and uh, he did a good job in game one with that, obviously. So having them both on offense and having Horford's floor spacing is also huge. And I love Grant. You know I love Grant, but he's been a lot better off the bench historically than he has in the starting lineup. So having that extra depth there would be huge. Uh, so hopefully Horford's back as soon as possible. I said this earlier uh, on my podcast. I, I think the Celtics are good to go once those two get back. Uh, obviously, not having Lowry hurts the heat as well, though he hasn't been very good in the playoffs. But I think once Horford and Smart come back and they are the calming offensive presence, I think the Celtics are going to be in a much better place. And as much as Jimmy Butler is a top 15, maybe even top 10 player in the NBA, and I'll stick to that, I don't think he can average 40 for a series. And when he does, no. you can have me back on and I'll do an apology camp. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think he's going to shoot that well every single game. No, look, the, the heater of that team, you saw the momentum. You saw the uh, something called Gabe Vincent go off, like you said, for <laughs> Steph Curry shots. In the second half, after Jimmy Butler rips the ball from Jalen Brown and steals it out of Tatum's hands and and uh, and Ilodipo rips it out of Tatum's hands, bringing it up on a lazy fucking over the court. So that's what happens with role players at home. We just saw it in game seven for the Celtics and Grant Williams. When your stars take control of the game and you get momentum, you start to see these other guys get confidence and be able to play. You start to see, even though Max Struess has been a really good shooter for them, I, I'll give you that, but the shots that he was making in the fourth quarter when the Celtics were trying to make a run, come on, coming off a pick from 28 feet. I mean, come yeah. on. He's not going to make that every night. And Jimmy Butler's not going to do 41 every night. Especially with Marcus Smart there, who's the bet, who's the defensive yes. player of the year, whatever you want to say. But the, <laughs> the dude annoys people on the ball, and and he can get to Jimmy Butler. He can defend Butler. I, I have confidence in that, at least not to forty one to the tune of forty one points. So, look, the Celtics overwhelmingly, I think, have more talent than this Miami team. They have to play to that. They have to play to to, to their level of talent, and if they do. Like you said, you know, if they get Horford and Smart and everyone back healthy, then, you know, they should take in control and, and win this series. 
But if they let them get in their shorts, like in the third quarter and get in their heads, then, you know, they can, they can be beat. They can absolutely be beat. Yep. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, uh, if the Celtics do manage to win this series, I think whoever they play in the finals will be even better uh, than the Miami Heat, which is like, it's just telling you have to keep being better. And may, th- this is a theory, I guess, at this point, maybe they take the first game of the series to kind of feel the heat out. Obviously they were winning more quarters than losing. So it's not really an excuse, but throughout the course of the season, you'd see the Celtics kind of, you know, m- fumble through the first quarter, first half of games, kick it up in the third. Obviously the, the opposite happened to game one. So maybe that's not yeah. the best argument, but <laughs> yeah. I guess like you're coming off a series against Giannis. And this is another thing I brought up. A lot of people were really angry that Jimmy Butler took 18 free throws. He earned the free throws. The Celtics fouled him a lot of times. They bit on pump fakes. And I think the reason he shot so many free throws and people are comparing it to Giannis, Giannis has a different whistle. That's not like a knock on him. He's just so dominant that he gets a different whistle from the refs. And Jimmy doesn't. So when the Celtics try to use the same level of physicality they did on Giannis on Jimmy, it's going to be a foul on Jimmy. Maybe maybe not a foul on Giannis because he matches it. It's going to be a foul on Jimmy. And he knows that. So Butler is going into the lane, drawing contact, pump faking, and earning those shots in the line. So Celtics have to switch their mentality from, you know, super physical on the drives to more finesse and good defense. Although in general, they do need to ramp up the physicality because like you said, they were just ripping the ball out of their hands. So they got to match that part. Yeah, they brought it to him in the third quarter. And yeah, Butler Butler's earned earned his whistle. He's 10 years in the league or whatever he is. And you know, he's out there. So um, but yeah, it's it's not the end of the world. Look, your goal down in Miami is to get one. You get one on the road, you come back home and you take care of business at home, and, and you know, you try and win this thing in six or seven. That that's what it's been the whole time. Um, and, and I have I have confidence they can do it. And like we said at the top, I think game two, and they come out aggressive and uh and you know, I, I think they they get the win. So we uh, shall see any uh, we'll let you go here, Jack, and you can, uh, you know, please uh, let us know where to find all of your stuff and reading your stuff on uh, Celtics blog. And I shit, I meant to mention which one you just bet, but you had a scathing report on somebody. I'll look it Jaylen, up. Jalen today. I wrote about Jalen today. I think that, that was it. Yeah. You're, you could just <laughs> feel how aggravated you were. Anyway, yeah. uh, Ray, I'll give you a last thoughts uh, on the Celtics and then Jack, uh, and then let us know where to find your, uh, where your stuff, please. Raymond. Uh, no time to panic because you were missing two of your starters out of the five. I think Celtics and six, I said that in the beginning. I'm not worried. I think game two, we're going to blow them out and come home to a TD garden on Saturday and have a nice little run and we'll take care of business like we usually do. That's totally valid because Ray has not been an absolute green teamer since we've nope. made him eat the cum cookie at all. Nope. Nope. He's been totally biased, unbiased, totally biased. I mean, and uh, <laughs> right on the cusp. So thank you, Raymond. Jack? Love to see it. Yeah, I, I think the Celtics are fine. Uh, I think they have to bounce back in game two. That's huge. You got to take one in Miami eventually. No better time than the present. Uh, as far as where to find me, I'm on Twitter at Jackson NBA. Did just write for Celtics blog. Uh, Celtics blog, sorry, a scathing review of Jalen Brown. Uh, but I wrote one earlier this season. People already hated me for quote unquote hating Jalen Brown. So I figured I'd take more of the heat. Uh, so yeah, Celtics blog, heavy.com, hoops have it, a uh, bunch of places. Thank you guys for having me as always. Always a good time. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Thank you guys. Take care, Jack. Uh, that's Jack Simone coming with some. He's good. Yeah level he's on he's on our well maybe he's on my plane of realistic expectations and what we're seeing you have you have gone like your eyeballs are fucking green at this point Uh, actually they are you can't 
see. Is that hereditary with the uh, French Jew? High, high cholesterol. <laughs> That's what it is? Yeah. You'll see start, it one day. Start, is that green. the Hulk effect? <laughs> no, it's, yeah. yeah start exactly. getting fat? Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. Um, well, why don't we throw it over to uh, headlines with the uh, with the Hulk then? <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Uh, the Celtics have advanced to their fourth Eastern Conference final in six years. They ousted the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. The Celtics dropped the first game against the Heat, however, 118 to 107. Jimmy Butler stuffed Jason Tatum in a locker and left his Suzuki ass to rot. Racer Dramas says the Celtics bounce back for a win in game two. The series moves to Boston for games three and four starting on Saturday. The Bruins season ended last weekend with a game seven loss to the Carolina Hurricanes three to two. We all sit and contemplate the future of one Patrice Bergeron in his exit interview with the media. He said it was all too soon for a final decision. Most of the signs are pointing to retirement for the Boston captain. If that is the case, Jewish Godspeed, my fellow French Canadian brother. The Red Sox are 14 and 22 as we record this, a.k.a. they still blow. Xander Bogarts has expressed the willingness to reopen negotiations with the Red Sox, who in turn have shit in a hat and are just waiting to present it to them. And lastly, your New England Patriots remain uh, rudderless on the offensive side of the ball. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia have been tossed in the ring for a play-calling duty competition, and we can already see a drinking habit forming for Mac Jones. This has been Headlines with the Obvious One. Back to you, Richard. Easier when Bill's not here. I was just going to say, you really do a better job without Bill here reading. (laughs) Bill sucks. I hate Bill. There was a couple words in there. I thought for sure you were going to get today, Junior Don. Ousted. Contemplate. The? I even uh, I even wrote some things wrong, and uh, you know you corrected them there. So, yeah, it's Bill. It's Bill. The grammar guru is a is a creature on. Of, of Billy Graybeard. <laughs> My arch nemesis, Billy Graybeard. Yeah, speaking of Billy Graybeard, this is a uh, sore subject for him. Uh, guy's not here to fucking cry in his Cheerios. Bruins are dead. They call it quits in Carolina. Uh, last Saturday. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about it, so we're just going to touch on it here a bit. Uh, they dropped game seven. Bruin, uh, that's what a weird series for the NHL. Every team not only won at home, dominated at home. Like, there, w- there was no competition. That doesn't usually happen in the NHL. Um, kind of kind of weird to see. Um, but this is, this is a you and me conversation for the Bruins, Raymond. We said this from October on. This team is exactly who we said they were going to be. Now, we ha- I think both of us had them in a round two exit, two. but I had this is two, basically yeah. it. A game seven and round one against a team that was probably better than you, definitely better than you. You were going to go on to face Tampa. Not Toronto. We can get into that a little bit, but <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's exactly who we said they were going to be, even yeah. with the Lindholm trade. Like, I, you, you need changes here. Patrice Bergeron is now on the cups of uh, retirement. Sounds like he's not coming back. If I don't even know if it's best if he does. If he does, you're rolling the same fucking crew back out there to lose in the first or Stupid. second round. Yeah. They need to shake it up. They need to get rid of this core. I mean, Sweeney's already came out and said that he doesn't have a contract after uh, the season ended. So I, in all indications point that he's gone. So the GM search, search, uh, search will begin. 
I think you start with there at the front office, you work your way down to this core and you just shake this thing up. You start a full bore rebuild. Like Bill's been saying, Bill said it before, you know, if you lose, rebuild this whole thing, trade everyone and anyone build around McAvoy. Starting with Marshawn. Yeah. That would be your first piece that has to go. I think it's your only big piece that has to go. Maybe, maybe someone bites on Taylor Hall on an okay deal, but he's no, he's not what he was. That those are your only fucking good. And it pieces. sounds like I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it sounds like through the playoffs that the team wasn't really rallying around Taylor Hall either. He was coming out and saying some shit during the, to the media, and it sounds like the the team was kind of like pissed off at him. You don't say a ten year veteran that, that was supposed to be the number two overall pick was supposed to be uh, you know the next That's been hated on every shit team. has been hated in every fucking team he's ever been on didn't really get along with the locker room you don't say he's only here for another four fucking years thanks sweeney yeah i dump him for a bag of peanuts uh i dump charlie Coyle for a bag of peanuts look look at your roster craig smith i think it still has got term uh Halla just signed Holla, 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 holla. I don't know what the no second Felino deals were. I think there were two year deals, maybe three year deals for those guys. I'd have to go back and look. But, you know, we said this at the in, in, in fucking September when they signed these guys. You're just filling the gaps with bullshit for a second round. Keep your job done, Swinney, and it didn't even work. And now you're stuck here. And the only positive is you got a McAvoy. Swayman, Pasternak, all young to, to mid-20s. And if you want to throw Lindholm in there, who's 28 and signed for eight years, you got a you deep have pair. to. You got you a top to, deep no pairing. Take, no one take that contract. No. Now. So you got a top, you got a number one deep pairing, which is good to great. You got a really good young goalie, and you got one of the best shooters. I'll say shooters, not even goal scorers. Pasternak's just a good shooter. Who had a torn cartilage in his chest? Never even fucking what heard the fuck of that. Is that there's <laughs> cartilage in your chest? I don't know. What are you, a shark? I have uh, fat. <laughs> they can't find your cartilage. They, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, they can't. When you get uh-huh. to the ribs for us, they gotta dig a little deeper. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, so not a lot of positives, and we've uh, talked at nauseum, and so has everyone else, how bad your fucking system is. So you, you know, you got a young defenseman in Ohio State. Uh, Lysel is, you know, your, your number one prospect, the Beecher kid maybe finally gets out of college, even though he's been uh, lackluster. So, um, not good. Yeah. I think you got to start over in, or you just do it again for one more year and hopefully, why? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Cause so long. it's, Oh, run it back. Run it back. No, it's not working. Like the, we haven't won a champion 2011. We went to the Stanley cup finals, won a championship. Ever since then, we, we've lost two. You know, this court can't do it. They're getting older. It's time to rebuild. Yeah, it's going to suck for a couple of years, but who cares? Rebuild. Get rid of what you have. Yeah, it's going to suck. I love Brad Marchand. He's my type of player. Fucking asshole on the ice, you know, getting people's heads and shit. I love that kind of stuff. It'll be sad to see him go, but bring him to a contender. Get back some young guys. You got to rebuild. It's time to rebuild and get someone that knows how to run a front office and scout these guys and make good trades and get some good uh, draft picks, unlike Sweeney did. Yeah, you got to go young. You got to go young. If Bergeron retires, you have literally nobody to fill your number one center position. Nobody. Nobody. And you don't even really have the cap space to go sign somebody to fill that type of position. So No, because you went to sign a $5 million uh, goalkeeper that couldn't even play in the playoffs for you. 
He gave Taylor Hall six and a half million dollars, which at the time we all applauded. So we can't get too mad at him, I guess. Uh, well, it was a yeah. team friendly deal after that season. So we yeah, no, we can't know. shit on him for the Taylor Hall deal. I, I'll I'll say that. We can shit him on for the coil deal. People were kind of you know 50-50 at best on the coil deal. He had a all really good run. Bring up the, the all you gotta do is bring up the 2015 draft, and that's all you gotta say for Don oh, yeah, Sweeney. Start light that fucking thing on fire. <laughs> um, well, what, so it's bye bye Sweeney, bye bye Cassidy. Then our prediction, it's got to be right. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think Cassidy deserves to be fired. I think you know you were given a bag of shit, and you try to do the best you could with it, and you got a first round exit. I hope that the, whatever new GM comes in here gives him a chance. But usually, when a new GM comes in, he wants his guys and his coaching staff and all that. So this could be the end of Cassidy as well. Look, I like Cassidy. I like Cassidy as a coach, but if you're gonna start a new. You know, he, he's definitely rubbed some elbows with with guys in the locker room and in his coaching style. And I don't think that works for if you're going to start with some young guys and try and, and try and build yeah. from that. Like, especially if you don't have a Bergeron in the room, um, which which means a lot. And if he's gone, think about this. You talk about the core Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, Tuka, mm-hmm. Marshawn a little bit later. Chara leaves for nothing. Krejci leaves for nothing. Tuca retires for nothing. And now you're about to walk, let Bergeron retire for nothing. This is why I like, you can't let Martian just play out the string here on a team fighting for the playoffs. Like trade this fucking guy and get some assets back. You just yeah. watched your core that have been here together for like 17 years or whatever walk out the door and leave you with nothing because your GM can't draft for shit. And uh, it's nice. It's nice that, you know, we'll have the memories. It's cute that these guys already, you know, three out of four of them, whatever, left in a Bruins jersey. Char is still playing over there in Long Island, but whatever. Fucking yeah. go get some assets. Play the game. This is professional sports of 2022. Not Bobby Orr here. Fucking trade the guy. Get some assets. Yeah. Get some assets, and you know that a contending team would want a Brad Martian on their team in a heartbeat. You know, go for you know it. who might you might know might need him. Uh, maybe uh, those fucking losers up north in Toronto who just <laughs> cannot can the world is right, Raymond. The world is right again. Loser cities, baby. This number one loser city is Toronto. this goddamn franchise. Game six, game seven. They Toronto loses. They have not won a playoff series since 2004. They have lost three game sevens in the first round. Two of them to the they're Bruins. Up three to one. They're up three to one. <laughs> They've lost. Yeah, I think three uh, series up three to two. One three to one. They, epic. Epic epic history of losing this is why that city got in our loser city talk uh, however many years ago we had that epic epic 2004 they haven't made it out of the first round yeah 2004 have not made it have not won a playoff series (laughs) not have not been to the playoffs like you have like shitty teams like like the bills went 20 something years without winning a playoff series but they never made the playoffs like it's they've hockey. made look the playoffs. Many, look how many people like move, like how many different champions they've had in the Stanley Cup uh, since then. There's been quite a few, and Toronto can't make it out of the fucking first round. Dude, they have three game seven losses in the first round. Three. <laughs> no, I thought there was something like five. Like they've lost five. I don't fucking remember. Uh, there's a stat I Either saw, way. and it was like something stupid that like, I couldn't believe. 
Either way, uh, if we have to be a misery, I'm glad those those poor bastards. Imagine are. Brad Marchand hearing that. Hey, we're gonna trade you to Toronto. I'd be like, nope, no, 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 no. I retire. I retire. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull a Gronk. I retire. I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, all right, quick afternoon delight, and we'll um, do a little Patriots talk. Sky rockets in flight. Woo! Afternoon delight. Whoop. You guys have it, I think. Huh. Afternoon delight. I don't know, Ron. That sounds kind of crazy. Uh, okay, let's do some uh, Patriots talk. Your opening take here, Raymond. The Patriots still do not have an offensive coordinator. We heard a first media session with the coaches this week, uh, specifically Matt Patricia and Joe judge um, talked. And when, if you weren't, if you didn't watch it, if you just listened, it would almost be like if, you know, when Ace Ventura, when he goes and grabs his asshole, starts talking out of his asshole. (laughs) That's what I pictured when I fucking heard Matt Patricia uh, on the radio. What a fucking doofus what a buffoon these people and joe judge is even worse and these are the guys competing now reportedly competing for offensive coordinator duty coordinator duties for play calling duties for your second year franchise quarterback and mac jones for your two tight ends that you collectively have over 50 million dollars invested in for your four wider you just went out and traded a third round pick for Devonte parker you're paying uh, the most money you've ever paid uh, per salary crap to Nelson Aguilar. It's not like you're investing peanuts into this offense. And now you're handing it over to these buffoons talking out of their asshole, like Jim Carrey uh, to, to compete, to see who's worst, not best worst at calling plays for Mac Jones, who by all accounts, I have faith in people are saying the kids bulked up. He's throwing parties with his offense left and right. You see him at the fucking Bruins games, see him at the Celtics game. He's throwing a, offensive uh, camps down in Florida. Like the kid's doing all the right things. He's making all the right moves. And now you're going to give him Joe goddamn judge. You're going to give him Joe judge, Ray. Oh, 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 no. Now, if this was like the Tom Brady era, I wouldn't be worried about it. You you have an established quarterback veteran who's been in the league for so many years. Mac Jones, this is his second year. This is a sophomore year. And usually quarterbacks in their sophomore years struggle. You know, they still struggle a little bit. Yeah. They're learning the play play calls and all that, but. For a second-year quarterback who's now your franchise that you're letting these two guys, one who couldn't lead the New York Giants out of the NFC East, and then one guy who went to Detroit and everyone hated him and wanted to walk out on him. I'm like, what are you guys doing in New England right now? This is a sad time to be a Patriots fan. Yeah, um, it's a good question. What are they doing? I don't know what they're doing. I, and I think that's everybody's collective questioning. If, like, if you hear... Um, the reporters and the way that they're framing their questions. I think that's what they're getting at. Um, I don't think Belichick spoke yet, but that's got to be one of his questions. Like, what's the plan? What's well, he did the, this with the plan? He did this on the defensive side too. I mean, he did it with Brian Flores. He never gave him the defensive coordinator title, but it was a group defensive uh, play calling decision and then last year he gave Gerard Mayo the play calling duties for defensive coordinator never gave him the defensive coordinator do like title and then his son came over Steven and took over duties halfway through the season and that's when the team got in an uproar so is this what you're going to do again give it to Joe Judge for weeks one through eight and then the finish the season Matt Patricia this is this is so stupid yeah but but he's done this before he made McDaniel's uh basically be in the position for two or three seasons after Charlie Weiss and basically earn his title 
But if you look at the coaching staff, even even when Flo got the job, defensive coordinator came in the year after Patricia went to Detroit. They went on and had a great defensive year, won the Super Bowl. Brian Flores had been in the system for years. Like he had his staff, his staff basically around him that he took to Miami with him. After that, there was a, you know, there was a funnel of coaches coming in from those Super Bowl years and from, you know, the undefeated season and so on and so forth that like it was still stacked and you still had McDaniels on the offensive side of the ball, basically handling that side. Right now you're looking at a gutted coaching staff on both sides of the ball. You just watched that defensive ensemble collapse in the, in the last five weeks of the season, last last four of the five weeks of the season because of your defense. Now on the offensive side of the ball, your guy that's been there for basically 20 years leaves, brings all of his best crew with them to, to Vegas. And you replace them with two like historically bad head coaching failures in the mm-hmm. NFL because they're cheap free. And they've been with you before not in your offense on different, in different sides of the ball, special uh, team and defense. I will say, you know, Belichick, um, when there was talks to McDaniels leaving before the, I think it was the indie job. Joe judge was, uh, his name was up for moving yeah. to the offense and whatever Belichick sees in that the giants certainly didn't see it. <laughs> they they well, came out and said, they, this is a quote. We've, this is what they said. Literally quote. We've done everything we can to destroy Daniel Jones. That's what I was just going to say. Look what he did to Daniel Jones. That's what their fucking ownership said. Look what he did to Daniel Jones, a kid that was drafted first round. I mean, had all the right things. You know, he was NFL ready, blah, blah, blah. And look what Joe Judge did to that kid. He regressed every year, you know, after his rookie year. He didn't get any better. No, he didn't. And and I'll say this for – I'll give Joe Judge every, every caveat that I have. They stuck him. Damara stuck him with Jason Garrett or stuck Jason Garrett with him. I don't, Joe yeah. Judge is on record saying, I didn't want Jason Garrett. They stuck him with him, and that probably fucked him up because Jason Garrett sucks too. But they fired Jason Garrett. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Question real quick. Go ahead. So if Joe Judge got mad that he got stuck with someone that sucks, how do you feel about Matt Patricia, who also sucked in Detroit? Now you get stuck with him. You think that you're going to make fucking no, I Rose think Garden they, with these two guys? I think no, no, they no. each have their Patriot pom-poms stuck up their fucking asses, and, they, uh, and they're and they touting the uh, the company line uh, through and through, and they know it's their last chance to, uh, to make good. And, you know, everyone wants to pull the McDaniels. You go, you fail, you come back, you succeed, you get another chance. This is what these guys are trying to do. And... Um, or in the case of Matt Patricia, it looks like he's trying to line himself up for the successor uh, in every category of Bill Belichick. It looks like Belichick's trying to fucking handpick the guy for the job. And obviously his track record in Detroit says there's no goddamn way he can do that. But, you know, you can get better. McDaniels got better. I, I, you know, I won't rule it out, but it doesn't look good. It, uh, you know, it obviously doesn't look good. And it's not just their track record. I don't want a fucking competition. Pick somebody and go. Back to your quarterbacks, how old are you, 23? He's a second-year guy. Like, he needs one voice. They need to work together and just go and just be that unit. Like, I don't think I, this, this – Didn't this, work on this, the defense. No, it, it's not the type of – I don't think there's a lot of uh, success. I don't think there's a lot of track record of success doing it this way. 
in a you know you know Belichick. If someone says he he can't do he it, can't then do it. He'll do I'm it. gonna do it. Bill, it's a Bill thing. It must be a fucking Bill thing. They're all assholes. Uh, speaking of that, we're going to, uh, shoot me over to simple minds the simplest minds of the week to sh- close out the show. And we'll see if we get a surprise guest that I, I want to bet on it. I want to no. bet on it. Bill's in no. the bleachers, but we'll see if we can get him here. Uh, we'll do simplest minds of the week coming up next. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. Yeah, I can't talk. I can't breathe and talk at the same. I can't I can, breathe I can out of my mouth and speak. I can tell. Fuck. Welcome to my world. I just can't breathe. I'm fat. Mm. It Although, I did you go look down slim. two. You look slim today. I did go down two belt loops. It's very, very weird. It doesn't take much to get to that, that first, that first no, couple it plateaus. Is. Stop drinking soda. Oh, you drink soda? What are you, 12? Yeah. It's been like a month I haven't had a soda. It's been nice. I stopped drinking beer every day. That was yeah. like... Yeah. Wait till your second kid comes. <laughs> Be drinking beer every day. Uh, all right, let's do some simplest minds of the week. I have uh, three candidates here on the list. Uh, I'll start with mine. We have okay. uh, Raymond, we have yours, and we have a uh, uh, Bills. Bills from the Bleachers. We're still waiting to see if he if he jumps in. Well, we'll save him for last oh, and see bro, if he can get there. Bro, I gotta go eat. I can't, bro. Does he say bro a lot? I don't know. I just I feel like he would because he's trash. <laughs> here's my uh, here's my simplest mind of the week: the Boston Red Sox. They they just need to be uh, mentioned here. We haven't talked about them. I don't think in a couple shows. Uh, recently this week, Xander Bogarts. I think this was after a game. He hit a two-run home run in the midst of Fenway chanting, re-sign Xander, re-sign Xander. The dude goes out there and hits a two-run bomb and gets one of their 14 wins of the season. And I was asked if you'd be open to contract negotiations. And the guy said yes. He said he'd be willing to talk about contracts even after they gave him four years and 90, which is a John Lester slap in the face. They've just treated this guy like garbage. They try and sign Trevor's story for leverage. He wants to be in the uh, Red Sox organization. He's a top five, top three, whatever, where you want to place him in as a shortstop. He's an important piece to this organization. Just pay this man his money. Pay him his fucking money. I'm Bloom. You got the, you got the last place team in the AL East. You got a, a all-star shortstop one of the best players in the game that wants to be in a Red Sox uniform, still in his prime, give him the fucking money and the years. Stop being assholes. Stop being dumb, simple-minded assholes. Boston Red Sox. You see Scott Signs Morris came out. Scott Morris came out and said, uh, we're not going to talk uh, contract until the season's over. Yeah, well, that didn't work the last time either, Scott, because Xander signed a team-friendly deal to stay here before. He wants to be here. He wants to be here, Heim. Hey, Heim. He wants to fucking be a Red Sox. You don't get many guys that want to be in Boston. Sign the fucking player. Is Sign it Heim, the fucking though, or guy. is it Mr. Henry that doesn't want to pay him the monies? 
I don't think it's Henry. I don't think Henry gives a shit what where the money goes anymore. I just think he has the he's given a budget. I think I he's just given uh, the budget. Yes, yes, yes. He has a budget. He doesn't care where the money goes anymore. He doesn't give a shit. And I'll tell you one thing about John Henry. As much as I don't think he gives a fuck about us, I don't think he wants a losing proposition. I don't think he wants a losing team on his on his little docket of of ownership that he's now tallying up. I think he'll spend money to win. I know I think he'll force hands to win. If the Red Sox finish this year in last place, I guarantee you they spend money and trade some of Heim Bloom's uh, sacred fucking prospects next year to get back into the Ooh. swing of things. Ooh. I fucking guarantee you that will happen because John. it's not that John Henry just doesn't care at all. He just he wants he's moving into the Jeremy Jacobs standpoint. You get to the playoffs and, and you post a, a decent run. You're good. You're good. Keep yeah. going. But if you turn out this piece of shit, this piece of garbage, this last place, 14 and 21 piece of garbage, and you get a guy in Xander Bogarts that sells tickets and the fans want him and he wants to be here and you let him go for Trevor Story, who's in 192 with one home run and can't fucking play. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That's not good. That's not going to get past John Henry in his Liverpool loving ass and his Pittsburgh loving ass. No, you still need to win. You still need to be competitive. You can't go out there and, and play with your stupid fucking nerd toys and and expect to just be given a, a free reign because John Henry doesn't give a shit about the Red Sox anymore. He still wants profits. He still wants wins. He just doesn't care how you get them. Yeah, okay. So, simplest man of the week, Boston Red Sox. Uh, your pick, Raymond? Uh, first and foremost, I was shocked and appalled that you didn't know who this person was. But uh, I knew my... who he was. That was a joke because your stupid uh, white van, uh, predator loving, wrestling loving ass, uh, always talks about wrestling. And I just think it's funny that at 36, are you 37 yet? When is this released? Uh, I'm still 36. Okay, 36. Uh, that you're still uh, into wrestling. What? What is I? But I do have no idea what the story is with Ric Flair. So Ric Flair is coming out of retirement for one last match. He's going to wrestle uh, July, middle July or whatever for Jim Crockett promotions, who he wrestled for, for the eighties and nineties before they turned into Turner sports. And he was with WCW, but he's 73 years old. He has a laundry list of health issues. He has the uh, alcoholic uh, kidney disease. He, you know, had a, a pacemaker put in and at 73 years old, he's going to go out and put on a wrestling performance and you are simplest mind of the week because I saw the footage of him training and it looks God awful. I wouldn't pay $5 to go see this man wrestle. Yes. He was one of the greats back in the day, but to do it now, this is going to put a uh, laughing stock in your legacy because this is going to be bad. And if you need money that bad, go to these signs and, you know, do some meet and greets and all that bullshit, but don't go and burnt your body. You, You could die in the ring. This could be like one of those things where you see a dead body in the ring because he might die. I like it. I, I know. Um, I don't care about this at all. Um, no, you don't. It was a, all, everything within me just not to say cool and move on. <laughs> I, I was hoping you weren't going to do that. But uh, now, the more you mention it, maybe he, maybe this is uh, a death by wrestling. Like people try to do death by cop, suicide by cop. Like maybe maybe old Ricky Flair is trying to go uh, suicide by wrestling. Just get out there, crank that pacemaker up to a fucking billion, and get get some thing, pop some old pop some of those roids from the eighties. And uh, Red Bull gives you wings. Maybe he's looking to get out. Maybe he's looking to end 
end it all on a on a on a fury in the ring. Then what a fucking, a fucking story that'd be. No, what a, just what a story. Jump a building. No, jump off a building. No, that's I, lame. I, well, who was the guy? Uh, what was the heart guy that died in the ring of the Tigers? That guy. I mean, that's one of the most famous names in no. wrestling because he died in the ring. No, he. That was a malfunction, and his wife sued the shit see, out of everyone. See, you're too close. You're too close to this. Like you care about it too much. Ric Flair's legacy will live. You know how he died? He dropped from the rafters and his head hit the turnbuckle. So, like, his head snapped back, and that's how he died. It wasn't a nice way to go. Yeah, but his, but you're missing the point. His legacy has lived on in the wrestling. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. He gave it all. No, no. The Hart family is one of the most famous names in uh, wrestling. Because they're fucked, because one of the guys died in the ring. No, Bret Hart, Stu Hart was the father that, you know, he had uh, stampede wrestling back in I in fucking guarantee, I guarantee you, even stupid wrestling nerds and 100% non-wrestling nerds, if you mention the name Owen Hart or you mention the name Hart in wrestling, they'll go, oh, wasn't that the fucking guy that died in the ring? He jumped out of something and died in the ring. That's what that's that's the main thing that they're known for. 100%. 100%. So next Rick Flair goes out there and cranks his pacemaker up to a hundred and fucking explodes his heart in the ring. They're going to go, <laughs> was he the, Oh no, that was Randy Savage. Who he was the, Oh yeah. Oh, uh, what was Rick Flair's? Woo! Yeah. That one just be, Woo. I'm fucking dead. Then there'll be a meme forever. He'll be live on. He'll live on forever. Uh, all right. Uh, Bill's gonna, uh, supplement in here. A uh, simplest man of the week from what you to do it in Bill's voice. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, fucking this one I fucking found. Uh, this is stupid fucking beep, fucking beep, fucking beep, cocks beep. Uh, sources, uh, Yankees. I'll read it in my voice so you can actually understand it. The Yankees cut third round pick Jake Sanford after he allegedly stole bats and gloves from teammates and tried to sell them online. He also allegedly scammed fans selling autographed equipment and never delivering. Bill definitely follows this guy on Twitter. <laughs> this is Bill's hero. He's a f- one fucking scumbag. What fucking, what fucking scumbag? Who fucking does that? Who fucking does that? What fucking scumbag? Of course, it's fucking New York Yankees. Fucking yeah. scumbag. Dirtbag. That's Bill. Why would you do that, bro? Uh, all right, uh, this has been the uh, Civil Mind Sports Show Friday Rewind, May 20th. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Irene. We weren't recording yet. <laughs> Thank you, Irene. We weren't recording yet. Ray just yelled at me for a solid five minutes. We weren't even recording. Just sliding right in. You got a you got a uh, collared shirt on, slugging beers in the dark. I don't like this new lighting setup, by the way. Is this the camera problem? 
Yeah, I gotta get on that. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. It's terrible. You look like you're in a dark space. Is that the only overhead Ooh. light you have? Yeah. I'm poor, baby. Come on. It's bad. It's bad. You, why, why is that bad? You've ruined our whole professional experience. I don't fucking on a folding table. At least I have a nice setup. I'm in a. I got. I mean, you, around me. It would look nice if you had proper lighting. Now it just looks like a dingy fucking gross strip club, which is what probably what you're going for. <laughs> that's your happy place. Going, well, that's my happy place. The dimmer and the more neon lights I get. I mean, look, you know, your your alone time is your alone time. But when I you're need with smoky, I need smoke like just billowing up from the. I have the a rack. smoke machine. You want? Yep. I'll never leave the basement. I will never leave the basement. If you I can do just that. found it in uh, some gear. Um, yeah, no, look, your happy place, is your happy place. But when you're with mixed company here, I need I just I'm, we're going to need a little more illumination. Oh, you see that? See my new piece that I got? That's even better. Can't you just slide your fat ass to your left one step? Can't, why isn't your setup like that all the time? You never told me to. Why didn't you tell me to do this? Look at this. Look at what yeah. I can do. We've that's, been a nice, looking... that's a Ray Bork signed jersey. I got that just for Bill. Oh, you're lucky Bill's not here. <laughs> We've been looking at your goddamn, uh, what was it, a water heater? or Burnness. Uh, boiler, boiler, boiler. boiler. We've been looking at your fucking boiler for two seasons. All you had to do was slide a f- six inches to your left, and we could have been seeing Ray Bork. So, no, I just got that. That that's that's a new piece. What did I just say? Okay. Said so that's a new piece. So mm-hmm. that's brand new. Okay, fine. Um, is this season three? Are we on season three? Uh, of June first. Oh, June first. Okay, that's the. What's uh, what's the date today? Twentieth. Twentieth. Oh, we'll be recording on the uh, actual anniversary in two weeks. Ooh, we should so. get a special guest. I'm going to line up a special guest for our anniversary show. Tune in for that. Is it Bill's mom? <laughs> we, I almost did that, and you talked me out of it. You remember that? Yeah, no, it would have been good in the moment and a real funny joke, but we immediately would have had her ask her to leave because I don't know what she's going to bring to the table. So. I, I just would have felt so bad. I was interested. I was interested to see what she was going to bring to the table, though. Yeah, actually, you know what? That I could be wrong. I don't know what kind of sports fan she is, and maybe you know, she just you, had... you were going to ask her sports questions. Well, after we got like through the STD questions about Bill, and you know, if anything runs in the family like syphilis, I, I just was going to yeah. I was going to go see if you wanted to join one the through, actual segments. One through abortion. Who would? Which one would you wish you could? <laughs> <laughs> if you could do it all again, how do you feel about the Supreme Court's latest rulings? <laughs> Did you not have topic. a metal hook? Hot topic, explicit. This is not going to make iTunes. <laughs> Maybe she just didn't have a coat hanger that she could have used when. She oh was Jesus, Ray! I think I have to beep that. I think I actually have to fucking Why? beep that. I don't Why? know. I don't know. You know what? I've been dealing with this like sinus, the phlegm, like it's not left in my head. Just feels like it's about to explode. I can't hear myself been, talk. Is that why you've been silent lately on the text exchange? Uh, no, I've just been busy with your mother. Uh, so welcome to the, uh, this is the Civil Mind Sports Show. What do you say we get started here on the Civil Mind Sports Show where we do all things uh, New England sports? Walk yourself right into that one. Uh, latest in the greatest is-